Hello, and welcome to the Data Cloud Podcast. Today's episode features an interview with Tomas Blicharski, Managing Director and Board Member of Zabka Future, a beloved brand of Polish convenience stores. He has been leading Zabka for seven years and has helped them accomplish unprecedented growth. In this episode, Tomas talks about autonomous stores, achieving a transition to the cloud in only three months, leveraging Snowflake's marketplace, and so much more. So please enjoy this interview between Tomas Bucharski and your host, Steve Hamm. Tomas, welcome to the podcast. Hi, great to be here. Many of the international listeners of the podcast are probably not familiar with Jopka Group. So please describe the company, its markets, the competitive landscape. Yeah, Jopka is a retailer. We operate in convenience space. We run more than 8,000, actually close to 9,000 convenience stores in Poland. But more importantly, we're also, uh, we describe ourselves as a convenience ecosystem that is between the physical, the stores, and digital worlds. And within digital, we have the quick commerce, we're the leaders in quick commerce in Poland, e-grocery, we're the leaders in direct-to-consumer meals in Poland, and we operate the largest consumer retail app with millions of monthly active users. And all of this, the stores, the traditional as well as the autonomous stores, surrounds the consumer. And our mission is to make this the consumer's lives easier, free up their free time. And you're you're in Poland. Are you are you also in other countries in Europe? Actually, yes. We also a few months ago opened our first stores outside of Poland in Germany. We operate a couple of autonomous stores in, in Germany. We're testing this and seeing how this progresses. Now, the war in Ukraine has put incredible pressure on Poland. How has that affected Zabka's business and how has the company responded? Yeah, it's it's a very sad situation. You know, Poland being neighbor to Ukraine has seen an influx of millions of refugees over the last nine months, especially at the beginning, first few months of the of the war, of the conflict. That effectively changed the way that people in Poland think generally. And as you may have heard, the entire nation almost started to help refugees. We accepted more than 3 million refugees in Poland to our homes, actually, not uh, refugee centers, but to our homes. And as a company, we have actively participated in the help program and a number of different help programs that we have created. We, we have sent hundreds of tons of food via trains to Ukraine to help those who stay there. We have rented flats for several hundred of Ukrainians and provided free accommodation to them here in Poland. We have launched uh, help to, to help those at the border and many, many other initiatives that we did as a company. Of course, you know, Poland has always accepted Ukrainians and they have been working in our country for a number of years and they work in our company as well. So we help those employees as well. And from the business perspective, purely, obviously, that also meant that there is a more consumers, right? We are a consumer retail company, right? And these consumers have, have you know, been the customers of our stores. So we did, adapted the offer slightly of the, of the stores. We have added in our communication also the communication in Ukrainian language in certain right. channels. Right. Now, you have a broad set of responsibilities as managing director at Jabka Future. 
including M&A, venture investments, new business ventures, and technology. So how do data and analytics contribute to the Zuck future portfolio? Yeah, it's a super important part of an ingredient of our success, actually, the data. We broadly believe that Jabka is a data-driven company. The way we look at the decision-making processes and the way we take decisions is based on the data. We are very analytical, and this is no different in the new businesses that we create, be it before we decide to start a business. When we look at the data, look at the consumer data, look at the third-party data whether we purchase or we, we got from other sources, be it when we launched new new businesses and we try to, for example, uh, transplant or use some of the data that we have from other businesses to create synergies with these new businesses that we decide to run. In fact, I would say the data for us at Jobka Future, but also in the, in the Jobka Group, is a source of competitive advantage. Okay. We choose it like this. Yeah, let's drill down on some of that. Tell us about the new approaches to retailing that the Jobka is testing. And what's the role of data in those ventures? Yeah, look at one of the new businesses that we launched last year, autonomous stores, right? Jabka Nano. Just to describe how it works, effectively, these are the stores where there is no traditional checkout, right? Physical checkout. There is no actually staff inside the store on a permanent basis. You as a customer enter the store with an app or a credit or debit card. You pick the goods and then you leave. And then the settlement, the checkout process is done automatically using deep learning cameras and software that links the behavior of the customer in the store to, to the data and, the, and the, finally the bill. This business wouldn't be able to exist you know, some years ago because that technology wouldn't you know, there wasn't there, right? But now when it exists, it exists and is successful also because we're able to successfully leverage the data that we have to personalize uh, offers for the customers, to track the behavior and adjust the offer to the need of the customer and many, many, many more, right? But in fact, as I mentioned, the, the data is, is key to be able to successfully launch and roll out and operate those kind of businesses. Yeah. I want to go back to something you said about the deep learning cameras. So how does that checkout work? Do the, the cameras just observe each person and what they touch and what they put in their, in their you know, basket? And then based on that, it, it charges them through the app or, or how does that work exactly? Yeah, you're spot on. There is a number of cameras. They record video. The video actually, which is important for, you know, especially in Europe, given GDPR, stays in the store, on the service in the store, right? So it doesn't, the, the video doesn't leave the store, right? right? And it identifies the customer, the respective person, and whatever is taken by the customer, whatever products taken by the customer is then being identified and charged ultimately to the credit or debit card of the of the customer. That's really interesting. You know, it's funny, I, I haven't read or heard of, you know, that exact model being used in other places. Is, is this unique to your company? Well, we're the leader in Europe with these kind of stores. Some of the other players that uh, operate, uh, let's say, pilot stores of similar kind, they typically use fusion of sensors. So, so they have some camera, but they rely on weight sensors in the shelf to, to get it 
done, right? And as far as I know, we're one of the very few players that rely purely on cameras. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's really interesting. So an early adopter or an, in some case, innovator, it's, it's really interesting to see how you're using technology. Now, obviously, cloud is a major issue here and a major strategy for the company. When and why did the company start migrating applications and data to the cloud? Yeah, that was many years ago. I actually don't even remember the exact date, to be honest with you. But I could tell you why we did it. I think the main reason was that we were growing so fast. I mean, we opened 1,000 stores, actually more than 1,000 new stores per year, right? So we're kind of very dynamic company on top of these new businesses, right? And with such a velocity that we have in our business, we've had for a number of years, you always want to make sure that you don't, you know, you're not, you don't have any blockers, right, for growth. And obviously, um, cloud, you know, enables you to increase capacity on the tech side, um, just put it uh, that way, right. in a continuous and seamless manner. So that was prim primary reason for, for, you know, back then, several years ago, for start of the migration to cloud. Yeah, yeah. People talk about the elasticity of the cloud, and it seems yeah. like that's very important for a company growing as fast as yours is. So at some point, you engaged with Snowflake. So tell us when that happened and why. Yeah, that was around four to five years ago. We were then running this big initiative at our company, and I mentioned about that, the data-driven approach, right? So we were, we're, we're kind of moving the philosophy of decision-making process from, let's say, this more of an intuition-based to more of a data-driven, right? And, and for that, we, we had to pull all of our data in a single source, visualize all the data for respective users, and effectively create friendly environments them to 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 be able to make these decisions in a different way right in data-driven approach type of way uh, in new environment right and this is where we kind of started to look for the best tech stack to effectively achieve that and honestly i mean we we worked with a few other companies actually much bigger than right. snowflake at the time but the tech that they provided was, was not sufficient to our needs i mean we we want to have a live data we want to have real-time data. We want to have, or almost real-time data. We want to have, you know, plenty of visualizations. And then, you know, we couldn't have it done, right? Yeah. And this is where, how, when we, I would say, even stumbled across Snowflake. Yeah. One of the founders of Snowflake is Polish. And so I think that was the real reason why we kind of connected. And we tested the software. We tested the solution briefly. And we said, Bingo, right? This is what, we, what we're looking for. Uh, that would uh, solve our problems. And three months later, we moved our, our stack to, to Snowflake already. I mean, that was very seamless. Three uh, months later. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I could tell you that yeah. it is the only that I know of, at least. And I remember instance when the data guys, the data engineers, you know, effectively said that this move made their lives so much easier, so much better. And they were really thankful to the you know, senior management team that they gave, that they received the budgets to kind of be able to do that, right? So, so that's, that's a very interesting story. Yeah, that's a good story, very good. Now, at this point, what are the most important applications that you run on Snowflake? 
I mean, all of our data effectively is is on Snowflake, right? So, you know, I could probably easier tell you what, what we don't run <laughs> yeah. using Snowflake than what we do run. Well, tell uh, us about a key, one or two key applications yeah, that yeah. are really, that really have some sizzle to them. Yeah. No, look, if you think about it, how we use effectively Snowflake, Snowflake is always in the background, right? For us as a kind of data lake, as a data warehouse, whatever you're going to call it, right? But effectively, all the data from all, all the systems that we have go to Snowflake. And then Snowflake enables us to, to use the data for the consumer, right? So for the, for the users inside the company. And all of our kind of internal reports that we have visualized using Power BI, for example, and we have several hundred of different reports, actually around 700 different reports internally that we run on Snowflake. So that's Power BI, that's the Microsoft yeah. kind of visualization application on top of Snowflake. I get that. Okay. Yeah. Then the other, uh, you know, I think quite a unique one is that we use Snowflake as a data source for all our kind of machine learning models, right? right. So whenever we use, you know, build machine learning models, you know, we prepare this in a Snowflake environment. And obviously then we use different kind of environments later on, uh, although we increasingly, you know, test also on the Snowflake's latest, you know, products and solutions in that space as well. And finally, one of the things that we've done with the data, once we kind of pull it all together and we had it readily available is, is we, we run a, what we call it data monetization product for CPG suppliers. And this is something that we run on Snowflake and we built a web interface for the suppliers so that once they subscribe to the service on top of it. Yeah. So let me drill down into that just a little bit. So you're selling data that the company collects uh, yeah, and, and you're, you're basically selling packages of that to your suppliers. So kind of passing the insights upstream. When did that emerge and, and how, do, how does the, the monetization strategy work? Yeah, that's something that I think started in our heads like three years ago. We launched it as an MVP two years ago to our suppliers. I mean, think about the biggest CPG suppliers globally, right? You know, the brand, the biggest brands that are out there, right? And the way it works is we offer them access to curated data in different formats and different layers. Some of that is real time, which enables them to make better decisions and we actually work hand in hand shoulder in shoulder with them we have actual kind of like advisory team as well that you know helps cpg suppliers to effectively uh, cpgs to to effectively interpret data and draw some joint conclusions so it's not like just the selling the data part but also you know like a win-win type of solution that enables both parties to make better decisions together right working on the same data together to effectively make better decisions, both for CPGs and also for, for, for us. Yeah. Hey, back to Snowflake for just a second. Where do you see the relationship going in the future? Look, I, I think the way I look at it, we're, you know, generally the companies globally are more and more governed by data and there is more and more automation going on right out there. And to be able to fully utilize data, we effectively look at machine learning solutions, right? We're increasingly, and we have been increasingly using machine learning in almost all area of our company. And I think the way I look at the the, the snowflake and solution and the, the road ahead of us is, is actually to incorporate 
more of the machine learning into native Snowflake environment, right? That enables us already, right? Because it's already happening to, to simplify our architecture and also to save on costs. So, so I think Snowflake and machine learning, that's something that, that certainly is, is for us, you know, the way to go. The other aspects that I would mention is, you know, we obviously have plenty of data, right? But in, in, in the world of data, there's no such thing as enough data, right? So the other part is effectively how can, you know, we work with Snowflake and already do to effectively use more of the data from other, from, you know, third party from other players and, and kind of uh, use this to really create uh, even better uh, applications, right? Yeah. So you're looking at the marketplace or or what's the, the format that you're looking at? Yeah, the marketplace. Yeah, the marketplace. And when we, we work, we actually have submitted some of our data to the marketplace. Oh, we also used some of the data from the marketplace. I think that's something that that is also, you know, looking forward, something that would create a lot of value for, for, for us, certainly. Yeah, very cool. Now, COVID, fortunately, is starting to wane around the world. But I want to go back to that for just a second. I understand that after the global COVID outbreak, Jabka used data analytics to quickly adapt its business and set it on a positive track. Also, you helped the, the Polish government marshal its response. So please tell us how you use data and analytics in the wake of COVID. Yeah, I remember that time very well. It was a lot of uncertainty, a lot of change of customer behavior, very sudden, a lot of, you know, completely new environment and situations, right? And obviously that changed our business from one day to the other completely, right? And we were at this situation at a time, uh, you know, one, one of our hero product is a hot dog, right? We sell several hundred thousand hot dogs per day to our, you know, busy consumers that can just grab it in one hand and just go and with their busy lives. And obviously when the COVID started, you know, people have locked themselves up, right? At homes and, and the stores were open, but uh, but it, the behavior of the customer was completely different, right? And after a few months, once the COVID restrictions have been relaxed and it was already possible to go out, we've seen that some of the behaviors that were before did not immediately come back, right? One of them was actually consumption of the hot dog. The, the, you know, the, the consumption dropped by 80% or so. Wow. And luckily, we had the, the data, we had the real-time data, and we also had a communication tool to communicate directly with the customers that I mentioned before, the consumer app that we, that we, we had already at the time. And we used some personalized, some promotions, some exploding offers, and very kind of aggressive communication based on the data that we analyzed to effectively attract the customers back into the, you know, maybe not 100%, but 80% back to the habits they had before. And all of that happened in the span of a uh, of couple of weeks, right? So the data and the great analytics that we had and the great tool that we built based on the data, the app, enabled us to effectively get our business back on the right track within the weeks of, you know, once that became possible again. Yeah, that's a great story. I mean, you really restarted a, a pattern, a behavior pattern. And then, of course, once you brought people to buy the, the hot dogs, they bought other things as well. So it, in a sense, it kind of restarted the business, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly yeah. that. Well, that's really cool. So 
I want to talk about the future a bit here. What are the major trends in data analytics that you see emerging in the coming year or so? Yeah, great question. I think I mentioned already about generally the automation. I, I think I think the automation is the is the keyword that I want to want to use here. You know, we already are reasonably advanced in the in the data part, right? We 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 run machine learning on the prices that we have in our store. So we differentiate prices based on machine learning models. We differentiate assortment based on the machine learning models that we created. We we looked for new location based on machine learning models and we select these locations where the models suggests are where the best place for the source would be. We, you know, we optimize the transportation based on similar tools and many, many other aspects of our business. We have automated replenishment in our stores that we, we've kind of built based on a similar approach. You know, when you look at it going forward, it's a little bit of a kind of a de- decreasing uh, returns type of game. So, so, you know, that we have more and more data but the biggest things have already been been done. And in order to be able to successfully tackle the other aspects, you need automation. You need machine learning. You need something that increases efficiency of people in creating you know, these new use cases, these new approaches to data. And, and I think that's that is something that's going to be happening. So, so effectively how to get your data ready and take advantage of these da- of the data quicker faster and easier mm-hmm. and and i think that's you know that's that's going to be that's going to be one of the trends that we see yeah. at least for us yeah. i see the future what a fascinating modern age we live in is this what the future holds i'm going to ask you to put on your visionary cap now looking forward 5 years or more how do you see data analytics affecting business and even society? Yeah, well, of course, five years out, it's always more challenging. To, but but like putting my hat on, yeah. Look, I think that I believe that all the businesses will have to be the data businesses to to be successful right. in five years, right? So so I think those who do not take full advantage of the data will be struggling effectively. Will have challenges in, in remaining competitive. As I mentioned, I, I, we, we, we believe that the, the data for us is a source of our competitive advantage. And I think that's going to be increasingly true. So I think that those who will not build the capabilities will not invest in the tech stack to be able to, to effectively manipulate and take advantage of the data. I think those will, you know, they risk to be left, left behind. And, and that, that's going to be the, you know, one of the key drivers. Uh, I see that already now. Yeah. So are there are there new technologies or new capabilities that you anticipate coming in several years that will really make, you know, take take data analytics to the next level? Uh, you know, if you look at our business, for example, Japcanano, right? Yeah. We have 50 plus stores at the moment. It's an early stage of the growth of the business. You know, it's physical stores with digital kind of interface to them in a way purely relying on modern data technology to, to be able to function. I think in five to 10 years, these kind of businesses, which are effectively built on from the scratch on the, let's say, modern use of the data, 
yeah will become more more popular well more 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 developed yeah. not only in the store space right on retail space but also in other other areas so you, when we kind of uh, take a step back and look behind like the traditional businesses have changed themselves to be able to use the data and take advantage of the data i think in the next 5 to 10 years there's going to be increasing number of new businesses different business model different services which in a way serve the customer better in some way because of the use of the data oh, really? in a different way right you know scaling and using the the technologies that they're out there right so so i think that's going to be the the, the thing that's going to be progressing right the yeah. the digital data native companies in yeah. a way yeah. No, I think that's a good term. In fact, I just wrote that down because we talk about digital native, web native kind of companies, but data native companies that where, where the opportunity is built on the data and on the analytics. I think that's a really great insight by you. So thank you for that. For your information, there's a lot more to ogres than people think. Really need to dig deep and get to know the real you in the real up close and personal. We typically end the podcast on a lighter note, a more personal note. I understand that the Jabka is a beloved brand in Poland. So help us understand that. Explain why that is and how that happened. Yeah, I mean, indeed, Jabka is, as we call the, the loved brand in Poland. It's, you know, it's known by almost everyone in the country. We have almost 9,000 stores, as I mentioned. We're almost everywhere, although we're still opening new stores. An average poll or let's say 15 mil uh, millions of, of Poles visit our stores many times every month. In fact, one of the reasons for, for that success, obviously more anecdotally than that, is, is our name. Żabka uh, in Polish means little cute frog. And, uh, <laughs> don't ask me why this name was chosen by the founder many years ago. It's, it's, it remains a mystery. But... Uh, what is true is that a lot of Poles in certain areas of the country carry the small Jabka medallions in a way in their wallets for a good luck. And mm -hmm. maybe that contributed to that name. And I think we're trying to, to bring good luck and more of a smile into the faces of our customers. We're trying to make their lives easier. We're trying to finally free up their free time so that they can spend that time with the loved ones and, and love us for it. Okay. Wonderful. Well said. Well said. Now, this has been a, it's been a really cool conversation. I, I think, you know, we started off talking, I'm sure very few of our podcast listeners have heard of the company before, but I think it's fascinating to see what a kind of a thought leader and innovation leader it is. I love this whole idea of the autonomous stores. And you, you talked about the kind of the deep learning cameras and uh, for checkout and things like that. So it's a surprise and it's a really interesting story. And I think Jabka could give lessons on innovation to other retailers around the world. So thank you so much for being on today. Thank you and uh, have a great day. The Data Cloud World Tour is making 21 stops around the globe so you can learn about the latest innovations at Snowflake's Data Cloud at a venue near you. Join your fellow data leaders at one of our full day events to network with Snowflake customers and technology partners, attend educational breakout sessions, and learn how to drive more value from your data. Find an event near you at www.snowflake.com slash data dash cloud dash world dash tour.